Today, my guests are Mari and Will Kemper, two time-tested brewery vets who use their skills to make lager beers and lager beers only at Chuckanut Brewery up in Bellingham. It's an impressive brewery with an impressive track record of producing top-notch brewers who wind up going to work at other breweries around the state. I'm the Cycling Certified Cicerone, and this is Washington Beer Talk. So I'm Mari Kemper, and... I'm, I'm Will Kemper. And we were the originators of Thomas Kemper Brewery in Washington State in 1984. Oh, wow. If you've heard of Thomas Kemper Root Beer, Thomas Kemper Soda. Yeah, that uh, actually does sound familiar, yeah, doesn't it? Okay. That came out of our original brewery over in Paul, well, it started in Bainbridge Island, moved to Paulsbo, Washington, um, and that was in uh, about 1984. And then it was uh, sold to Pyramid Brewing in 91 or 92. And then that uh, joined the ranks of, is it Red Hook? And now it's part of a huge thing. Pyramid, yeah, who's Pyramid yeah, owned by now? Uh, I, wa- I want to say Big Red. No, that's the soda. The soda, our soda, Thomas Kemper, mm. went right. off to the um, Pyramid. And then it went to Thomas Kemper Soda Company. And then it was bought by Big Red. Okay. That's the soda. So it's gotcha. actually kind of a, an interesting situation with, with brands, trade names, and such, and product, and it's similar to the brewing industry as far as uh, uh, old types of beers, old style, uh, uh, Stroh's, anything like that. But the point is, it's being, you know, these brands are being bought and sold by various companies okay. and changed for production, so they essentially just buy the rights to them, like Thomas Kemper. So if you talk about... Um, uh, the product itself, whether beer, soft drinks, or such, they go through changes. Yeah, there's no way they're still brewing the same stuff right. you were brewing because you had a, right. a small brewery on, right. over on Bainbridge. And yeah. It's something completely different. There's yeah. no way, even if you have the recipes out. Yeah. Right. It's part of the industry. That's yeah. what happens. Uh, brands get bought up and sold all the time. And yeah. whether they actually continue to make them after they're sold mm-hmm. is not often. Yeah. The case at least you can hope for it, that it as well. Get made. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Moment. actually, what was that about the Little Kings? You know that beer, Little Kings. Uh, it's in Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati Brewery. Mm. Well, um, somebody bought the rights of that, and now they're brewing it again mm. after years. Like it was bought out in the, I think the '60s or something, yeah. and they stopped making it after a while and then all of a sudden somebody bought the right to make it yeah. and got the recipe and now is brewing it so PBR is it known happens. for doing that kind of thing yeah, yeah they go around right. and they, they scoop up like the Rainier brand and Olympia and they own all those kind of regional yeah. old-fashioned beers yeah. and they just brew them just for, yeah. for the nostalgia's yeah. sake exactly I for love that sake. yeah but yeah. to submit it's a product that uh, people are accustomed to in old times no that's not the case. Yeah, it's yeah. new because every time you get malt, it's a little bit different. Every time yeah. you get the hops, it's a little bit different. Those are natural products, and it's not like there's a stamped thing, mm-hmm. and that's all you get. Um, Will can go but, into that later. Yeah, that's but, a but technical issue. But just a re- sheer recipe. You know, there's changes in recipe for various considerations. This is true, too. Yeah, right? absolutely. So. Um, we got to look, look up who owns Pyramid now because I know Pyramid's owned by some, like, wine conglomerate or something. I thought it was Budweiser. They're not owned by Budweiser, no. They're, they're not, they're not okay. independent, but they're, I don't think they're owned by a big brewery. But they're owned by they're owned by someone who's yeah. like just you know 
the reason Pyramid is kind of the way Pyramid is is because they're owned by someone who yeah, wants to reap the profits. And they they just have the little pub across from the baseball field, That's right, right. yeah. Just that little yeah. thing, yeah. This doesn't get wrapped up later on, so I went ahead and looked it up. Pyramid is owned by Magic Hat Brewing Company, but they're owned by someone else, and they're owned by someone else, and on and on, up to Florida Ice and Farm Company, a Costa Rican food and beverages company. So by no means independent. They're in the same company as Portland Brewing Company and Genesee Brewing Company. Well, and then Red Hook, they yeah. moved out of the building out in Woodenville. That's right. Yeah, they're down the circus is there or something. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Teatro, uh, Cinzani. Yeah, I was there. just out there looking at that. I was oh, were like, you? Yeah, I love yeah. Woodenville. I'm out there all the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, those are great bike rides. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, a lot of breweries and wineries you can visit on your bike rides. So yeah. That's kind of fun, too, that neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we were building a timeline. Of, okay, so that's of, where of we start so, as yeah. Chuck Nutt. Okay. But Will, uh, Will is a chemical engineer by training. Okay. B by education. And, and education. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and so he's a brewing engineer as well. So he, uh, at Chuck and Nutt, we're very interested in the technical parts mm. of the brew. That's why we brew lager beers, because they're technically a lot more uh, exciting for the brewer to brew and more challenging as a, as a product to get it right. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what led us. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why we do lager beers. Um, do you want to talk about that at all? Oh, well, uh, if you go back to a timeline situation, yeah. it's probably a matter of after after Thomas Kemper, so we're talking the oh. 1990s. We'll get around that. All right, we'll go into the history well, part. Yeah. We're, we're old, so the history part is interesting and goes on and on. <laughs> go ahead, tell them where we went. It's a matter of working with breweries across America. Yeah, uh, uh, Dock Street in Philadelphia, um, Capital City. He put in the first Capital City Brew Pub. Uh, put in the first uh, Dock Street Brew Pub. This was in the very early 90s. Um, Lowell Brewing in Lowell, Massachusetts. Uh, he did those. He worked with Weeping Radish in North Carolina, Durham, North Carolina. And then, um, and then we moved back to the Northwest. And then uh, he worked with Beers Across America, which was a man out of, a group out of... Um, uh, Oregon, near Portland, and uh, they wanted to do all these breweries across America, but they didn't ha know anything about beer. Oh. So I, at that time I was working as a consultant for very, on various brewing projects, and they asked me to come and talk to them about doing these projects. It was, it was what was it? it was Norwester down in Portland, it was Aviator Ales out of um, Woodenville. Um, Woodenville. Mile High out of Denver, uh, Orange County, the one in uh, Saratoga Springs. So I'm with this this group, this uh, this business group, talking about brewing and setting up breweries. And it became uh, apparent to me that folks getting into the brewing business and wanting to set up brewing didn't understand how beer was made, really. They certainly didn't understand the brewing process. And so I suggested it might be wise to have somebody on your staff who had a a bit of understanding about beer and brewing and that seemed to to click so that's why i worked with that group there's a business opportunity yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but you know it's fascinating that people go in certain lines of work and businesses and without the understanding so yeah. there's all sorts of accountants and, and business people in the office but 
no one knew how the beer was made. What a strange circumstance. So anyway, I entered the scene and it went from there and setting up breweries uh, with them and working with them as well as other, other situations. And then finally that, that uh, didn't continue because of their uh, SEC, Security Exchange Commission, <laughs> as far as how their monies were being raised. So they kind of clamped down on that. They and thought so it was a pyramid scheme. Yeah. Because they'd raise money and then they'd take that money and start the next one and then they'd well, raise they'd the money. and then do the next one. But yeah. then they kept doing it at such a fast rate mm -hmm. that the government thought that it looked like a pyramid scheme. I see. Okay. So it got shut down, basically. Wow. Okay. So yeah. you got booted out of your own consulting deal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Whatever. Say yeah. Yeah. So um, it meant, you know, going elsewhere to, to do beer. And, yeah, uh, that was the catalyst for the next step. Yeah. 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 Oh, um, man, that train comes close. It, it does. Yeah, it's pretty exciting, like especially it. when yeah. you're asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I forget the timing after that, whether... Well, then it was, uh, we went, Will started working with a group in Monterrey, Mexico. Uh-huh. Mexico. And um, it's the third largest city in Mexico, but it's very industrial. Mm -hmm. So people don't go on vacation there. It's more of a business town. And um, so uh, they asked Will to put in their first two brew pubs. And um, went down there and lived for about a year and a half in Monterey. And uh, then when we came back, uh, write me a note. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then when we came back, uh, after being there for a year and a half, oh, Will started. At the same time, he was also teaching brewing engineering in Davis, California. Okay. Uh, at their uh, American Brewers Guild. American Brewers Guild. And um, so he was doing that, and he was working on the technical committee with the Craft Brewers Association. Yeah, I mean, he had all these little gigs going. Meanwhile, I had another job altogether. But um, he got asked to do a brew pub in Istanbul, Turkey. Wow. Yeah. And, and, you, and you, so you went over there. You've been yes, all over the place. <laughs> we both went. We yeah. lived in Istanbul the first time about five or six months. We got to travel a lot in Europe. Um, we came back. We tried to get something going. Uh, so we were in Istanbul, then we came back. And um, he continued to work with Istanbul, going back and forth, because then they decided they wanted to do a craft brewery. Wow. Going all but in. that was a three-year project. Yeah. Because they were all from scratch. Yeah, of course. Well, the brew pub was not. It was an antique building in a very elegant neighborhood in Istanbul. Mm -hmm. uh, but when we went back, it was the first time was on the European side. The second time was the Asian side. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where um, Will put in uh, a large brewery and ran that for a while. We had an American brewer he um, hired to come over and work with him. And then eventually uh, it got doing its thing, so we left. And all that time we had a house here in Bellingham mm. and we wanted to move back. So that's when we came back, we found this location and we started chucking up brewery. Okay. And we opened two months before the financial collapse. Oh, okay. So, Nothing that opened, no restaurants that opened during that period of time, I don't think, are still open today but us.
Wow. Well, so what was it? It hit us here in Bellingham very hard. I, yeah, I imagine it you did. You know, it wasn't like Seattle. And yeah. actually, what happened was because we couldn't sell our beer in our pub, we then had to. Actually, it was our friend Don, Don Webb uh, from Naked City. He came up and got our beer and started taking it to Seattle, oh, wow. which was what gave us the idea, maybe we need to go sell our beer in Seattle. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing a lot of retail, we ended up doing a lot of wholesale. Hmm. Because even though we were open, it was not very busy. Yeah, that's not, um, yeah, that's not the standard path. You know, these days no, it it's, all, it's all retail. You, you know, there's... Well, that you, was our intention. Yeah. But when it didn't happen, we had to think quick. Yeah. kind of thing and that's when we started doing the uh, distribution mm -hmm. uh, plus we didn't get the kind of uh, support from our community as we had originally thought mm -hmm. we would being as we were only the second mm -hmm. brewery here and we had a history of beer in Washington State but because we were not on the IPA path mm. uh, our support you know, the, another consideration there is that because of our background, with Thomas Kemper in particular, people think that we came in with mega bucks. Yeah, Out of Thomas that. Kemper, we got something like two thousand dollars. Yikes! So, so yeah, that was like totally we irrelevant as far as the, the economic assistance. So that made it somewhat difficult, and the perception of the Kempers coming in: oh, they're wealthy as can be; they can do whatever they want. And so there's resentment. Yes, there was. Hmm. Yeah, yeah it was politically because, yeah. and, and uh, you know, socially it was very challenging for us. Yeah. Uh, because we had also been living in all these big cities and, you know, we had a very, I would say, worldly view of things. Mm -hmm. uh, having lived internationally for so much with beer and that kind of thing. Then when we came to Bellingham, that also was not what we had been accustomed to. Mm. Um, and so you know, there were a lot of challenges. But when the other breweries started opening up, like Colshan was the next one in line in the, pro in the progression, when they opened up was almost like a pressure relief valve. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden people realized, oh, well, you know, we could go visit that brewery because it's a little different. You know, it's not the same as the other two. Uh, so, you know, uh, we, I think that helped us, that there was more breweries uh, and people felt they could come and visit us. Yeah. Uh, but meanwhile, we opened in 2008. In 2009, when we could enter the Great American Beer Festival, we won Small Brew Pub of the Year with all locker beers. Uh, that, I don't think that's been done since. Yeah. And it was never done before. What does it take to usually win Small Brew Pub of the Year? Is that a, mm. like, they're, are they judging, they're judging your beers? They're, they they judge they the beers for the style that you enter. Mm -hmm. So the best, um. The one thing I have to point out, this is blind tasting. It's a blind, blind tasting. So it's people within industry, you know, do the judging, not just people, it's uh. Not Casual people. Um, yeah, it's not addition, marketing people. And it it's is, actually and brewers and tasters who are trained. Um, and and it, they have no idea what the beers are. So yeah, they have to judge it that way. And that's it, really the only contest we feel are legitimate. It has to be a blind tasting with people blind who understand tastings. beer yeah, as opposed right. to not. The marketing people. Yeah. Um, so anyway, what happens is there's styles and... Um, um, 
we hit on the style, and uh, that's you know we're technically sound, and because of that, then we win, we win medals. Uh, we always win medals. What what we well, enter, we're fortunate in that because on, the focus is that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As more and more yeah, brewers yeah. come in, yeah. there are more and more educated brewers, and so you know they're they really actually. And, I, and I'm not saying this because it's me, but they say to us all the time, well, how would Will brew that beer? Yeah. You know, and they look at us as, uh, you know, somebody that they totally respect because they, they know we take our time. We're six weeks at least with our lager beers. Um, we're about three weeks on our ales, so we don't rush the product through. Um, we use a computer system that Will learned when he was in Istanbul with the craft brewery, and um, he, he believes that you can only get better beer by being much more, um, you know, focused. It, it's it's all a matter of, you know, how, what's involved in brewing. If you're a brewer, what are the steps? How, do you want to count the steps? Is it five? Is it a hundred? Point is, it's a continuum. But each segment of that continuum, you can look at. You should focus on it, and it's kind of interdependent as far as as far as what you want to address within that. But you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So what what you have here is a situation where you uh, have to focus in on on whatever step you're talking about, and you try to optimize it, and you optimize it really not just for the sake of doing it but for also the understanding within it by the way when i work making beer is philosophy of life and that's kind of our approach with our brewery and how we deal with it so so you look at each, each step here and and as i said you, you you try to optimize it but you delve into it and you delve into it and um, um, that's a fascinating thing and that's infinite as far as a consideration possibilities there but uh, that's how you that's how you get better in the brewing business in the brewing game in the brew, as a brewer yeah. you you always continue and then wonderful thing and the, the beautiful thing is at the end of the day there's beer beer with um with yeah with your you know science engineering kind of background you uh yeah you got to be worried about sort of reducing the problem space trying to you know because there's you, know, you said there's an infinite number of kind of considerations yeah. an infinite number of variables to tweak when you're trying to make beer and it just makes it so hard to you know that, that was one of the you know i'm a home brewer and you yeah. know you just got to know you can read and read and read and read and read yeah but even at the end of all that even if you know you know a hundred process points you got to make sure you hit there's still a, a yeah a, yeah more things you can do <laughs> and uh you know yeah like just like what you were saying you know changing every small change changes the way the beer is you can't keep making that same soda you used to yeah. make there's just no way it's going to happen yeah. and and, uh, yeah, and, so. and one thing let me also kind of interject here that besides that what what is the goal in a lot of that and and ultimately there there is an end goal that's the beer obviously but when you look at beer it's uh, uh, what makes better beers and the makeup of beers is not it's not a casual thing it's not to, to say flavor, that's absurd. 
They're positive and negative flavors. So the idea here is to really kind of focus and maximize your positive flavors and minimize your negative flavors. Th I think this is a, a failing of a lot of, whether commercial or, or, or home brewers, is that identifying flavors, and just because it's flavor suggests it's positive, no, that's absurd. You know, there's so many negative flavors in consideration. They can very, very easily mask the positive flavors. So you look at fermentation profile and how that's done, what are your byproducts there, negative flavors. If you're a competent brewer, you understand what those are and you address them accordingly. And so to just continue and making negative flavors, no, that, that's not where it's at. Um, what's some advice you'd give to you know, other, other brewers? I'm sort of trying to read between the lines here and thinking maybe you're thinking of some specific breweries, some other folk you've met maybe who you know, maybe don't brew the beer to the technical proficiency that you, you have certainly achieved and maybe wish that they could. A, f a few do. A few do. And that's a beauty. And that's why when you get along with brewers from around the world who are top-notch brewers, it's wonderful. Because first of all, you can have the discussion about what a beer is and the, the, the aspects of that. Um, if you can't get to that point of wonderful beer, I'd prefer not having the discussion because it's it, it, it's not very pleasurable to have bad beer and <laughs> it's not very pleasurable to have bad beer <laughs> so the idea here is looking at the you know that beer and if you're a brewer you understand that you read you you know you, you self-educate self-educate you educate you taste uh, yeah, yeah with uh you know and understand those those concepts, but I think right. that's you know it's too casually done as far as talking flavor. No, there are negative flavors, and 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 too often, you know, that's what you're tasting. Are the positive flavors there? Yeah, the positive flavors are there in essentially all beers, but if you don't address your your incorrect procedures, if you don't address the failings of your flavor makeup as you know, certain negative things, that beer is going to be bad. So when you're making a beer, it's not just the recipe. It is, and all, most home brewers realize this after they try it once. You know, it has to do with your process, your temperatures, uh, the quality of your product. You know, we you know, use it, the best products because we believe they make the best beers. So. The, um, the, you know, we we do every little tiny thing. Another train. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah they're, they're coming for beer. <laughs> <laughs> we do every little, even the way our beer is moved from one vessel to the next. It's a delicate uh, send-off, you know. We don't just push it in, uh, into the next tank. We gently let it move to the next tank. Um, the other thing we do is um, uh, when we crush the beer, which is after it's done its fermentation and you drop it down to lagering or the rest period, instead of really crushing it, our temperature controls are set so it's only going down a tenth of a degree. No, what is it going down? A degree Fahrenheit per hour is a what you're A degree getting. Fahrenheit per hour. So, That's you know, it's a minor consideration called a cold shock upon yeast. Minor, minor. How many minor, minor considerations up. do you have? If you, if you 
you know, if you add them all up, they're significant. And yeah. so each one minor consideration should be addressed accordingly. And that's another one. Yeah, you can simply crash it, but it's slightly better for the yeast. And by the way, it's the yeast that performs the flavor profi profile. It's a yeast that's a worker that's going to give you obviously what you need, uh, desirably or undesirably. So you you respect that yeast. You respect that yeast because you know without that, there's no way you're going to have um, you know, the positive flavor that you want. Now, yeah. one one other thing. Yeah. You know, so we're talking about recipes. As a brewer, a commercial brewer, talk about a beer style. You you know, for me, if you say a beer style, I can automatically go out a recipe. That's of course any. Any competent brewer will create a recipe for whatever style you want. That's almost irrelevant. It's totally irrelevant. Once again, name a style, I can come up with a recipe. Does that make it good? No, of course not. What makes it good is putting it together, the understanding behind making it, the painting, if you will, the beer, the sculpt oh, yeah, sculpture, like if you will. You know, That's we were a, invited to the Pills and Love Fest in Italy when several years ago, and um, they sent for our beer to go um, to Italy, and we went over there, and uh, we had, there were only three of us American brewers, Matt Brindelson, a good friend of ours uh, from Firestone Walker, and then uh, Brian, I don't remember Brian's last name, from Moonlight Brewing uh, in Santa Rosa, and us, and then the rest were Italian, a couple of Germans, and I think, uh, I don't even think there were any uh, English people. But um, the, the owner said, um, you know, how do, can you describe, you know, how you do what you do? And Will said, well, I feel like I'm a sculptor because I'm given this blank, you know, piece of yeah, you're stone getting, or you're wood or whatever. medium as far as yeah, raw materials. Yeah. And then I see what's there and I sculpt away all the unappealing parts and come up with the final piece you know which is the you know the best of the, the it's a beer but the, you know the beauty by you know so it, you deal with your senses and with beer what you have visually the beauty of a beer well-made beer yeah. obviously the aroma yeah. and oh ultimately then the flavor, the taste of that. That's that's what it's all about. So so it's putting together these these um, um, these sensual sensual type of things and, and coming together with something that, that works well. Yeah. Your uh, the way you talk about the like all the minor things sort of adding up and all the mm -hmm. the very small details that you gotta catch, uh, <clears throat> it almost betrays your um, your lager specialty. Over yeah. your ale specialty, uh, ale yeah. brewers that I know would happily say, "Oh, well, that's just part of it, right?" right? Uh, this is, you know, I, I, of course, this yeast produced this particular type of flavor, <laughs> and I don't care that it's there because that's now part of the special terroir yeah. of my beer. Exactly. Right. Uh, but if you if you have that sort of lager specialty, not only do you have you know centuries of history and a bunch mm. of Germans you got to beat you uh, <laughs> like you really do have a much more delicate flavor that you have to yeah. get tuned right, or else it just doesn't. Yeah. appeal uh, yeah. as much as, well, it, as it could. And yeah. actually, that's that's a lot of it, is that fineness of taste. Because I always you know, think to my French friends from France who come over and they might cook me something. And it's the simplest thing. 
but it tastes so great. I don't know how they do it. And to me, that's what a good lager beer is like. It's, it seems so simple, but in actuality, uh, there's a lot that goes into it, but it's not uh, like loud. It doesn't hit you on the head. It, it's something that, hey, uh, you have one, you think, oh my God, that went down so fast. Uh, I think I'll have another. You have another and then you think, oh, it has such a great flavor. And then you have one more because you got to <laughs> figure out what it is that it's tasting. Yeah. You know, but but that's what happens. And I've learned a new phrase in London this year. When we, our our fam we have a daughter in London, and so we go visit, and uh, we're always going to the bottle shop there. Of course, there's tons of new little craft breweries springing up all over London now. Every little neighborhood has one, um, and so we go to this bottle shop, and um, you know, we're we're tasting the beers, but uh, it's like. It's hard, you know, to find something you like. And then the one guy at the bottle shop was saying, oh, yes, it's, it's, you're looking for the Moorish beer. And I went, Moorish? He said, yeah, you need more of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, so that was great. Now, yeah. now I love that phrase. That's too good. The Moorish beer. <laughs> I want a Moorish beer. <laughs> oh, man. More, more. More, yeah. more, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so your let's talk about your branding a little bit. So you're okay. you're Chuckanut. Yeah. Um, your you know your was okay. Wait, was your your soda brewery, the Thomas Kempler, was that? Kemper. Kemp, sorry, Kemper. Yeah. Your Thomas Kemper was that the um, was that beer brewing as well at the time? Yeah, okay, that okay. came out of the brewery. You were just talking oh, about your soda. But we okay. were no no not you know. Okay. I mean, that's uh, water under the bridge. Right. It, it's no no longer part of us. We do right. have people that say, oh, can we get some of your root beer? And I'm like, we don't make root beer. <laughs> maybe you but, can bring it back. It wouldn't be too hard. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe it is. Or maybe it isn't. Uh, but anyway, uh, but I was out, you know, the reason I was wondering is you came along, you, you started your second brewery and this time abandoned the old name. You know, your yeah. last brewery is named after you uh, yeah. and now it's not. So why right. did you switch that up? Well, we have this house on Chuckanut up mm -hmm. here. And Chuckanut, I don't know if you've been riding on Chuckanut, but... Not yet. It's a little challenging because it, it there's not it's a very tiny roads for bicyclists. It's a little bit challenging. The inner urban that goes from Bellingham mm -hmm. out to Fort Larrabee State Park mm -hmm. uh, or Larrabee State Park, not Fort. Larrabee State Park, you can do on the inner urban. Mm -hmm. But if you want to ride Chuckanut Road, it's amazing views. It goes from Whatcom County, where Bellingham is, down into Skagit County, mm -hmm. where all the farmlands are and the eagles. And uh, that's actually where our second brewery is, the production facility. So we're at the Port of Skagit. Um, uh, it's beautiful there in Burlington. But then if you ride Chuckanut, you realize, wow, what a gorgeous road. And we make gorgeous beer. So that's why we thought, oh, it's very, you know, uh, that, that works. So uh, we named it Chuckanut. And it's a fun word to say. It is a fun word to say. <laughs> I think it's a Native American word that means where the tide goes out because we have mud flats on Chuckanut there, oh. you know, in the sound. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of it too. 
You mentioned your production facility. Yeah. This is a sizable facility, and uh, you could have tricked me and told me this is your production <laughs> facility. Uh, uh, I know that you guys are in the top 25 biggest breweries in Washington. No. no. We yeah. are? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, my God. We don't like, even do 4,000 barrels a year. That's, it's well, nothing. No, you're, uh, I think you guys just hit number... Well, I, I guess right, the, the article I read was written in February of this year. Oh, that's but it puts you guys at number 25, I think. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Well, yeah. we do. We did win Washington Big Brewery of the Year once. Yeah, well, I saw, I saw that hanging on the, on, the, on the wall of the brew pub. Yeah, you got the Big Brewery of the Year award, which is yeah. like, look at that. If you guys yeah, thought nice. you were a small brewery, you, you were wrong. Yeah. I know. And Wonder won this last year. We won it the year before. So it's really fun that... You know, we have such award-winning breweries here in Bellingham. You it's really, really do, yeah. Great. Bellingham has like not only does it have an insane density of of breweries, but an insane density of good, good breweries. Yeah. yeah, which is just you know like so that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But we, you know, this brewery. What happened was we got to, um, and we our beer really is only available in kegs mm-hmm. on draft. Um, we have a bottling line, but we can't keep up with the draft accounts, mm-hmm. much less make the beer in bottles to mm-hmm. sell it. I mean, that we'd like to get there. We'd like to get to bottles and to cans, mm-hmm. but we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but this brewery just got too filled up with the tanks, uh, and that's where we do all our washing of the kegs mm-hmm. and all this stuff. So, And we want to grow our product because we have such demand for our product that we looked around in Seattle, actually, for a couple mm. of years. Mm. I can tell you a bunch of places we looked at, and they never worked out. And then we met the people that um, started the um, Skagit... Valley um, Malt. Skagit Valley Malting Company. And they loved us, and they wanted us to be near them, and they are in the Port of Skagit, and so they actually introduced us to the Port of Skagit. We were able to work something out. So we got the property, and then we had to go find the funding. And then after we did all that, then we realized, well, we're going to make the building, and we're going to lease. It's like a 50-year lease yeah. for the land at the port because they can't sell it to you. Mm. Uh, so we're going to lease the land, and we built Chucknut. We have a, a quite a nice size um, where uh, facility there with a, just a tasting room, not a kitchen, and we have all this land around us. So we would never have to move again if we didn't need to. Um, we could just keep growing our uh, brewery out there um, in the Skagit farmlands. It's beautiful. Is that something that's on the agenda? What, what, do you have a growth plan? Are you looking to get bigger? I mean, it's a tight, and it's getting a, the marketplace is getting tight these days. Uh, what are yeah. you thinking? Well, no, we're definitely our first of all as a business, you grow or you die, mm-hmm. and so well, that's or you a, that's get to a, base, a point where but, it's okay. But yeah. we're not yet at no. so a you point always, where we're even making money. So we have to keep. Doing <laughs> <that>. <laughs> yeah, so so we're still you know the, their growth plans and you know long term plans as well that we can continue adding tanks. That's really the bottom line of what we what you do to to increase production is you continually add tanks because working in a production facility, a brew house should be able to brew six to eight times a day and so do the numbers and and just add the tanks accordingly. And as Mari was saying, we have acreage out there. So once we 
you know, add tanks and grow the business and we can add facilities and put in packaging potential there and it's dedicated for that. So instead of, instead of ca trying to cram operations, whether brewing or packaging in one, you know, in a warehouse or wherever, you know, in that, so we can plan accordingly for the for the beer side of it, mm -hmm. for the sake of packaging and such. So yeah, yeah. there are plans. Okay. Yeah. You've got, I mean, like you already mentioned, you have the bottling line that you wish was. We have a little stuff. bottling yeah. line, yeah. 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 But, you know, we finally convinced yeah. Will the equipment has actually, technically, has totally improved mm. since the beginning mm. of the canning. Lines. She's talking canning now. Yeah, so. canning oh, gotcha. lines. Okay. Uh, that, that we feel the can, you know, a Kolsch in a can mm. or a Kolsch mm. or um, Pilsner in a can, I mean. You know, you could take it camping, you could take oh, it yeah. out on your boat, you could, you know, take it to a festival. But it's it, a great way it, to go. It is a technical matter as far as but this consideration. Our beers are, would be deemed fragile because they're finely made and anything that impacts upon that would be negative. A base consideration, canning does nothing, canning or bottling does nothing to improve your product, mm -hmm. period. But it can... It can easily destroy your product based upon how that is done. And at that stage, the worst thing to hit beer is oxygen. So you look at considerations, you know, going back canning and bottling. Well, when you fill the container, whether it's a can or bottle, first of all, look at the open area of how you're filling. So a can is obviously much, much, much greater than a bottle. So considerations there as far as introducing any air, oxygen within that becomes more difficult. Additionally, over the years, the canning operations have have been uh, improved upon to the point of almost acceptability on a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> but the dilemma here is now we're talking chemistry. Mm -hmm. And what happens here is that um, uh, as far as seeming consideration, as far as other workings within a, a packaging line, canning in particular, it int introduced a lot of undesirable uh, uh, trace chemicals within the product. And once again, for, for our product, it's dangerous because th they would show. For a lot of other products, it wouldn't be so dangerous because they wouldn't show. <laughs> so th this is the dilemma we're working with. I'm, I'm still working with projects overseas in uh, Istanbul. Istanbul. And Izmir now in Turkey. Yeah, so I'm assisting them in production facilities and additionally packaging. And we're working with a group called Crohn's and they are the best in the world as far as packaging. And they, yeah, so possibly we can work with those folks uh, when we're, I would like, I will work with those folks when we're interested in doing a packaging operation here in, in Belling, or actually in Burlington. Yeah, yeah. so that that's next. Uh, that is in the pipeline, but it might be a couple of years before yeah. we actually get to that, because we have to add to the facility to have a packaging house mm. uh, where all the packaging is done. And then we have room for more tanks but in the actual fermentation hall. Yeah, and, and we so. can add uh, considerably more. But the thing is, ultimately, the business side of it, as far as the beer side of it, you look draft beer versus packaged beer. And packaged beer cans or bottles are several times more than draft beer. In the Pacific Northwest, about 10 years ago, uh, is about the highest proportion of draft beer in the United States, but it's still, uh, pro uh, uh, a packaged product was still something like five to eight times larger than draft markets. So yeah. that's the potential out there that we yeah. can address is the packaged market. Yeah. But we still have room to do 
um, the one-off beers to we have a line of seasonal lagers I don't know if you noticed when you were in there we used to only have six taps when we opened now we have ten up here and nine down south are they different uh, sometimes they are different like there'll be some beers that we just put on down south some beers that we just put on up north so yeah they are different and that's kind of fun for us too um, and you know we so we have our seasonal ales we have a line of seasonal lagers and then on top of that we do collaborations and just one-offs because we want to always have something different for mm -hmm. our guests you know in the pub and the um, tap room so yeah that, that's the one thing that's really helped us I think as far as you know beers you can drink here and before without the second facility we had to address the wholesale aspect so all beers wholesale were coming out of here too and we could not you know if we just made pilsner our distributor would be happy yeah. our accounts would be happy but it's kind of hard to just put pilsner on tap so yeah, we, yeah. so with the yeah. new production facility uh down south then we can have that facility basically do the wholesale operation more so it can do some um, some specialty beers because we've moved, literally we've moved from some tanks from Bellingham down to Burlington to address the because it's more efficient down there but up here in Bellingham now we can diversify so you look at so styles of beers you know what the heck, seasonal styles of beers and such so we can do them yeah. Be, yeah, so that was another reason that, that was always a challenge uh, yeah. beer. Oh, no that one ran out because yeah. it was just a 10 barrel up here in the north we have a 10 barrel um, uh, brew house down south we have a 20 barrel brew house up here we have 10 and 20 barrel tanks down south we have 20 and 40 barrel tanks and when we do make the next uh, you know installment of tanks it'll probably be 60 barrel tanks but you know that's next yeah. coming down the pike yeah. but the fact that we only have 10 and 20 barrels here it's nice because then if we do want to do a collaboration we just finished our collaboration with wayfinder beer mm. it's kevin davy he used to be our brewer um and uh we made a um a 10 degree pills which is a low alcohol pilsner it's like four uh, abv four uh, percent and um that's coming out this week i think um, but, uh, you know, we have a lot of friends that come through from Europe and brew with us and all across America that come brew with us. So we really enjoy that part. Um, you know, some of our best friends in uh, Seattle come up, Rubens, Cloudburst, Holy Mountain, you know, those guys are all good friends. They come up and brew with us. Um, and then uh, Kevin, we, um, we, we, also have our trained brewers we train them and then they go off and start their own breweries mm -hmm. i think a lot of breweries are having that challenge now mm -hmm. i don't know if you've interviewed people and who are losing who are hemorrhaging brewers or what yeah, do you mean? starting their mm -hmm. own places uh, you know i you, you hear that all the time but you also you know an equal number of people you talk to say yeah i used to work at this brewery and now I'm the brewer here you know like that's <laughs> yeah. so you, you, and we call that our children and grandchildren exactly so <laughs> when we were at the gabf this year our children the freen family brewers and wayfinder both won uh, awards and we were so excited because yeah. they came out of our brewery and they're very proud to say they came out of chuck and 
And so that's a very fun thing that's happening more and more, I think, uh, with a lot of good breweries, you know, like the Clobbers guys, I think, came out of Elysian. That's right, yeah. You know, and... I think, Wand well, I was just talking to Wander, and Chad they were saying... He came came, yeah, Chad came out of Hilliards. Hilliards, yeah. that's right. Um, and, you know, you've got to get your experience somewhere. Uh, I think uh, Pike's Brewery uh, gave up, created a lot of brewers. Exactly, uh, yeah. like exactly, Dick yeah. Cantwell, I mean, there's a ton of them. Yeah. Uh, Fall Allen... Now, the guys at Crystal Brewery over Woodenville slash Everett. Um, Where'd they come from? Uh, Dick came out of, uh, came out of Pike. Oh, I think okay. he, yeah, he, yeah. Pike and then Red Hook, I think, even. Oh, So, okay. yeah, Red yeah. Hook made a couple, you know, yeah. that, yeah. So, yeah, that's just, that's the ecosystem, I it guess. Is, and, isn't like, it? and, yeah, it's, um, it, it's gotta be, like, yeah, well, you were already saying how proud, and, you know, it's, it's an honor yeah. to be the ones on the top of that chain, the yeah. ones that have been creating brewers rather than the, you know, not that there's anything wrong with getting your training at a brewery, but, like, right. it's like, but, being the well, ones that fun. invented them is like yeah. the way that's the way to be that's gotta feel good yeah even yeah. if you are losing brewers you gotta find new ones every now and then like that's just, yeah like, that's yeah. the hard part and then i'm very i get very attached he doesn't get as attached <laughs> I, get, I get very attached and i get really sad and start crying but you know i, I get over it yeah, <laughs> yeah I, and then when i see him again they get really big hugs yeah. from me yeah. so I, it's I, okay. I get detached if they screw up my beer yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, um, yeah, no, I, I gotta say, like you know, that one of the reasons cycling Citron exists because you know I love craft beer and I love uh -huh. to run around and do whatever I can to sort of make, you know, to you know evangelize right. you know the craft beer industry yeah. and make you know I, I, you know, I just do whatever I do that kind of stuff because I love it and yeah. then and you get to have such a much more direct impact. Obviously, yeah. you're a brewer, so you're making beer directly impacting in that right. regard. But you've also created so many new breweries yeah. your offspring yeah uh, so offspring. like that's just a thousand times more than whatever i could do so yeah and i know that the other uh other brewers feel the same like we're friends with a lot of the older breweries uh craft breweries and and you know they say the same thing to us that they're really excited when you know one of their people actually wins an award um as their own brewery and yeah and it's it's really a um double you know double fun kind of because then we're all so happy yeah <laughs> that's great yeah i can never tell if you guys are i'll never be able to know if you're truly happy no you, you won't. they no. seem happy no <laughs> for the record in the room they seem happy but they might not really be that happy about that no we're uh, good. <laughs> well, I, i'm honest with you i said i do cry yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you know, the, they're beautiful. You know, the beautiful things about it in the brewery, obviously, the beer thing, and uh, but it's like anything in life. You know, they're positive and negative things. Fortunately, the very positive things are always their beer. Yeah, you know? that's <laughs> at, the, at the top of the chain is the beer. Yeah. yeah. So we were we're good friends with the awesome beer garden brewery, um, those guys, and um, they um, they called Will the accidental Buddhist uh. <laughs> because I went to a Buddhist inspired school in Naropa in Boulder, Colorado, and so um, but I'm not yet the you know I'm like the trained Buddhist, yeah. but he's the accidental Buddhist. <laughs> And I don't know if you know, but brewers are very philosophical people. You mentioned the, the <laughs> philosophy of beer. Actually, I wanted to come back to that one. Maybe yeah. Can, so you, yeah. So go on. Please yeah. go on. Go so, on. Uh, you know, w w when we're together, and I don't know if it's the beer, 
it's the fermentation. I don't know what it is, but there is a, a trait I find in a lot of brewers that you can talk philosophically with them about almost anything. And it's, um, to me, I love that, you know, that's what I'm about. But, um, you know, I can have conversations at a festival that are like way deep that you would <laughs> never think to have. But I, there, I think maybe it has to do with the process and waiting. You're always waiting for the beer to finish. And maybe... Well, it, it teaches you patience, obviously. That's a patience. wonderful attribute. You know, yeah. you don't, you know, once again, you, you don't push the beer as far as manufacturing. You, you don't abuse it by... by by you know doing funky things with the yeast or just taking shortcuts you just try to recognize what's done there so you obviously use your mind but lord you use your senses like crazy yeah. every step of the way in making beer it's not like you're doing a finished product during the course of it but you have an understanding of what's going on and you can sensing and then you feel it it, it really is you know a, yeah. a, a part of visceral who you are yeah yeah it, it really is visceral yeah yeah. Oh I don't gosh. know if any other brewers have told you that. No, no. <laughs> if, 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 you're, if you're not philosophical, what, what the heck? Why are you? What are you doing? Why are you? I'm thinking of plenty you? of time while you're riding your bicycle. Absolutely, yeah. To think about these things, <laughs> exactly. you know. And it's the same thing with the beer. We're sitting here thinking about it. Oh, my gosh. So. Um, I am... So sorry, but we're running out of time. Oh shoot! I know. I know. You guys are so. You're, you guys got to get down south, and I'm. I'm running out of memory card. Oh, shoot. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll do another one. Yeah. We'll come up. You'll yeah. go through some of the other breweries, and then stop in for a refresh. Absolutely, I can't wait to come back. You guys have been yeah. such a treat. <laughs> Thanks for coming by. Fun for you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Let's go grab a beer. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Will and Mari. I can't wait to come back and chuck it out and get my hands on some more delicious lockers. Thanks for listening to Washington Beer Talk. If you like what you heard, then you can find other episodes of the podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. Don't forget to like, leave a review, and share with your friends. Whatever I need to say, I'll say. If I don't need to say it, I won't say it. I don't say things I don't need to say. A flea and a fly and a flu got stuck and didn't know what to do. Said the fly let us flee. Said the flea let, let us fly. fly. So they flew out the flaw and the flu. <laughs>